Hey everybody, how's it going? Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I've got a great stream that I think you're really going to enjoy. So I saw last week that they announced that Jon Stewart's show over on Apple TV is over. He launched this new show. It's, you know, he's one of the bigger names on Apple TV. There's not a whole lot going on on Apple TV, but he, you know, he's one of the bigger names over there. And so they launched this show that's basically a rehash of, of the Daily Show there. And I think it was always kind of doomed from the beginning. I'm going to be talking about that here. We're kind of going to go through the rise and the fall of Jon Stewart. I, I think that he is a comedian that was for a specific time, reached a certain zenith. And coming back to that formula at this point, kind of in uh, in our political cycle, what was kind of doomed from the start. But before we get into all that, guys... I want to tell you a little bit about what's happening with The Blaze. Uh, Theblaze.com is, uh, they're launching a new website. I think we've all been to conservative news websites. We all know that they're usually just covered in ads, like often really ugly ads, and you just can't read anything. You can't find anything. And the reason they had to do that was for their monetization model. Look, we all know that big tech is against conservatives. They're against the right wing. You know, They don't want anything that's off the narrative. And so it's very hard for companies to set up ad revenue with them. And so you always had these ads everywhere and it was just a big hassle. And the good news is that they're launching this new website and they're getting rid of all that stuff. They're going completely ad free and it looks much better. It's much better layout. It's much cleaner. I really like the way that they have the op-ed stuff set up. You can find everything much better. It's just, it's just a much better experience. So you should definitely go check that out. It's nice because you know, along with obviously just the ugliness of ads, the constant fear of demonetization meant that you had to worry about what was getting published on the website. You have to worry about whether the, even the ads you have on there are going to get pulled. And most importantly, forgetting all the money, you know, whatever, whatever money people are making. Most importantly, big tech uses demonetization to censor stories. So by getting a, a story demonetized, that means that it gets put down in the algorithm, it gets deranked, it gets deprioritized. And the big stories that they you, you want out there, stuff about things like COVID or Hunter Biden's laptop that you know should have been known by the public, they get censored because they get they get shoved down in the algorithm because they've already been hit with the demonetization strike. So the nice thing about the new model is it allows the Blaze to run the kind of stories at once without you having to kind of wade through everything. Of course, that means that, you know, they're relying on your support, uh, you know, and that comes through, of course, a subscription to the Blaze TV, but also you can just subscribe to portions of the website. Look, most stuff is still not behind a paywall, but most stuff is still there for you and it just looks better. It's just nicer to read. So that convenience is there for you either way. But if you want to support them, if you want to throw, you know, something to the Blaze because they're out there providing good services and they're doing it without making you have to look at all these terrible ads and not getting demonetized and controlled by big tech then you can go check out theblaze.com. I think you're really going to like the new layout. So guys, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Jon Stewart. So I think if you grew up at a time like I did, you know that uh, the Comedy Central and The Daily Show had, had a big impact on culture. I grew up as I'm a late Gen Xer or early millennial, depending on kind of what scale you use. Uh, but I grew up right in that sweet spot for kind of the rise of the daily show. First, you got that first season or two with Craig Kilborn and then Jon Stewart comes on the scene. And that, that's really where the whole thing took off. And I still remember fondly episodes of that show. Uh, you know, the, the one where they had uh, 
George Bush and uh, uh, Al Gore and they had the, the election and they were tabulating the votes and they had to appeal to to the Legion of Doom and the and and you know Justice League and stuff. Like I still remember those bits. They were very funny. They were, and I think they were genuinely funny. To be fair, like they obviously the Daily Show was very biased, and that was kind of a the 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 beauty of its Trojan horse. It's it's cultural Trojan horse. Guys like me, even though you know I was raised very conservative, I had uh, I had listened to conservative talk radio for years on my own. My parents didn't really listen to it but i was you know a very normal person who just listened to conservative talk radio when they were a kid and so so i like i I knew a lot of this bias was there i knew that i didn't agree with many of the points being made but it was just presented in such a slick and funny package that i didn't really care and I, i grew up you know even though i was conservative my my understanding of a lot of political communication like so many people my generation was formed by things like the daily show and the West Wing. I know that's super cringe at this point, but it's just true. Like that that's just how even conservatives kind of saw the world. That's how they saw political communication. It just just shaped the zeitgeist of a lot of people. And so with John Stewart in that role, I think it really gave the rise of infotainment. Now, don't get me wrong, news media had been a form of entertainment for a very long time. Of course, People got together around the TV and watched the evening news. People bought newspapers. Uh, there were newsreels in front of movies. You know, consumption of news had always been a product and therefore to some level entertainment. That had been true for a very long time. But what we started to see with the rise of uh, things like The Daily Show was that comedy had to be infused in your politics. You had a little more infotainment, a little more bombastic stuff with guys like Rush Limbaugh and talk radio. That, that kind of got away from the, the stodgy newscaster idea of, of journalism. But you didn't really get the, this constant injection of irony, never taking anything too seriously until you really got to The Daily Show, I think. I think that was, that was kind of a critical transition to the way Americans saw news. And that made it the perfect you know, vehicle for that age because it was this deeply cynical uh, look at things politics had always been something very serious even when you got to talk radio it was still treated as if it was something that was very serious it was understood that politics altered the course of you know the nation it it impacted the way that that the nation was going to grow and the moral direction and the moral vision you know it is understood these were significant things of weight but of course what had been very useful for the left especially i mean almost exclusively really was the need to demystify these things to make them less sacred, right? To, to make them less serious. So, so being serious about culture was highly mocked in the 80s. You saw the religious right get mocked relentlessly in the 80s for taking culture seriously. Oh, why do you care what people do in their own bedrooms? Why do you care about you know what music's playing or what's on TV, right? So cult, uh, the, the attempt by parents or Christians or anyone really to take culture seriously was considered a problem. And then by the time we got to The Daily Show, that had moved into the realm of the political. Politics had been solved. We had gotten to kind of the end of history, right? Especially once you have Barack Obama. You, you, you don't need to take politics seriously anymore. It's just something to laugh at. You don't really need to address the arguments of the other side. You're not, you're not in an exchange of ideas with someone who might have a relevant viewpoint, a, a different way to see the world. You just dismiss them by laughing at them, right? And th- this was kind of 
the style that John Stewart took. He was famous for uh, a couple different things. One is the snarking to the audience, right? It's the, the looking and the snarking. He didn't really deliver a refutation of anything like a politician would say. Um, you know, he, he they just aggressively edited things to make them look as absurd as possible. And then John Stewart just kind of mug the, mug at the camera without really making any kind of joke, but just an absurd face. And the on the audience would respond to that. They would laugh. And then, you know, just having kind of that seal clapping behind him constantly was a big feature of the show. So that was one thing was the mugging for the camera. Another thing he got famous for was kind of this clown nose on clown nose off approach to things. So even though you weren't supposed to take politics seriously, in theory, Jon Stewart knew that actually politics was deadly serious. And he played this very well, right? So he, he'd be joking, he'd be doing these bits, and then all of a sudden he would pause and he would give a sermon. He would give a speech, a, a fiery oratory, in the manner that uh, you know a, a talk radio host would do. He would, he would uh, adopt that affectation in many ways and he would inject a very serious moment into things. He especially did this during interviews. So whenever he was in an interview with someone who disagreed with him, a rival, a conservative or something, you know, he would he would constantly be mocking. He'd be laughing. If they came back with a good point, he would just give them the, hey, man, I'm just a comedian. You know, that that's not really uh, the way I think about things. You know, we're just joking here. Don't take everything so seriously. But the minute he trapped somebody in a point, he went for the throat. He suddenly became a preacher. He suddenly became a moralizer. He suddenly brought a fiery vengeance onto whoever he had just caught in his trap. So he had this clown nose on, clown nose off thing where it was, I, you know, I'm just a comedian. I'm just joking. None of this is serious until I think I can make a point and advance the ball. And then I'm going to get cutthroat. Everything is deadly serious. I'm going to have my audience condemn you. I'm going to have everyone attack you. And that was a constant tactic. And then, of course, he was also very famous famous for, like, aggressively editing interviews. They'd have somebody on. Uh, they would cut out a lot of the parts where Stewart did poorly or lost or something inconvenient came up. They would only bring in things where he did well. You know, hour-long interviews got cut down to, ten, you know, to, to less than 10 minutes. This was a very consistent tactic used by Stewart to kind of bring about uh, you know, the, this era of invincibility. If you can just get on and be smug and you can, you can mug for the audience uh, and, and you can, uh, you know, use this clown nose off, clown nose on uh, kind of defense mechanism, then you can just control the world. You can control all the way the ways that people kind of understand politics. And this was very effective. In fact, it was so effective that it's kind of spun out into multiple other shows. Most of those were less effective. You had like the terrible Samantha B one, uh, that was just an embarrassment. You did have the uh, 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 the British one who suddenly escaped in my mind, uh, uh, John Oliver. Uh, you had the John Oliver one. He was more, one of the more amusing pundits when he was on the show. That one was a little more successful, though he still has a terrible show uh, that that is not very you know that 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 uses all of the same tactics that John Stewart did. He's he's still doing the same the same uh, kind of song and dance routine all this time later. It's lost a lot of its effectiveness, and that was one of the big problems. The Daily Show started to run into is it, people just got wise to the game. You know, conservatives stopped giving interviews. People stopped showing up to this. They, you know, because they just knew they were going to be deceptively edit, edited. They knew that they were going to get lied to. They knew that they were going to be manipulated. And there's just no reason to really, you know, show back up to this. And so that started to affect the quality of the show. But I think in general, even though, you know, the, the quality of the show did go down, 
John Stewart eventually kind of stepped away on top. You know, uh, uh, yes, the the quality had declined. However, he he realized kind of where the Daily Show was going. He knew that this was not going to be a vehicle, and so so he gracefully exited at a time where yeah, you could see maybe there might be a decline, but it was still something that was well regarded. He was still seen as influential. He was still seen as well loved, and so he kind of he kind of got out at the right moment. And uh, you know, the incept Trevor Noah it's just never been funny at all. I, I think I've seen a thousand Trevor Noah clips, you know, get played over social media in the time that he's been a part of that show. And I don't know that I've ever laughed once. I mean, again, I knew Stuart was biased. I knew that like he was cynical. I knew that he was lying about a lot of stuff and he was being deceptive, but at least there were funny moments, you know, like there's still at least objectively funny moments. They were all, you know, he did a lot of mugging for the camera. He did a lot of manufacturing labs with, with kind of audience noise and stuff, but there were genuinely funny skits and things involved somewhere in the daily show. That was just completely absent from Trevor. No, he's just talentless. And, and I, I don't know how he got to, you know, uh, selected for that other than, I don't know, he, he hit enough diversity boxes or something, I guess, but just just never been funny it was never very interesting and uh obviously the, the the mystique of the daily show has declined uh significantly uh it's no longer the the kind of this central cultural force that it tended to be uh you know at the time i was watching it when i when i was younger in high school and in college there just did what there's just has lost all kinds of event television uh you know, that that it used to be at that time it lost that cultural power and status I want to talk a little more about that, guys. I want to get into kind of why uh, that ended up getting lost in in kind of the Melu here. Um, sorry, just one second. But I want to go ahead and get into. Uh, I want to get into kind of why uh, John Stewart's reemergence what was uh, was a failure. Uh, obviously when you go out on top like that, you have a lot of cultural cachet when you go out on top like that, it's, it's like Jordan stepping out at the height of things. Uh, you know, he can't do this forever. So it's best to kind of step away while you, while you kind of still have that momentum, still have that aura of invincibility around you. And again, this guy was very, very key to forming the political imaginations of even conservatives at the time. The way that we should address politics, the way that we should value things. This is all. This is all a standard that Stewart set. And and when he walked away, that model for infotainment politics, that model for kind of uh, kind of making things less sacred, less uh, less serious, constantly mocking that kind of stuff. That that was still kind of the paradigm. That was still the way that you should deliver your show if you wanted to be successful that was that was viewed as kind of the top uh the top way to kind of get your message across even if stewart was losing his step if the show is losing his step but when he came back from when he came back from uh kind of that hiatus that's where obviously things kind of fell apart for him but we'll talk about that after we hear from today's sponsor. These days, it's impossible to thrive with just one job. Between increasing living costs, paying off debts, and planning for the future, things like buying a home, building savings, and even going on vacation can seem like fantasies. If your goal is financial freedom, you could start taking on more hours at your current job, work towards a promotion, or try putting your money into something risky like stocks, 
cryptocurrencies, or even a side hustle. But at the end of the day, do you really want to sacrifice time and energy that could otherwise be spent with your loved ones or on your hobbies just to make a living? Luckily, you don't have to hustle to reliably make more money. All you have to do is job stacking. Job stacking is the best way for regular people, regular employees, to unleash their earning potential and increase job and financial security. How? By working multiple jobs, but without burning out or more importantly, getting caught by corporate overlords. Job stacking allows you to reliably receive paychecks from multiple employers each month without having to work more than eight hours a day. You don't have to be in tech or any particular field or industry to do it as long as you can work remotely. With multiple paychecks and more time on your hands, you can save your wife from having to work. You can more effectively resist the system by having her stay at home with the kids, perhaps even homeschooling your children so you don't have to expose them to the woke public education system. You can use job stacking to pay off any debts or loans that you might have and cast off the yoke that the financial system imposes on regular hardworking people. You increase your job security by not depending on one single paycheck. And job stacking is non-committal. Since you're not quitting your current job or making any radical changes to your life, if you don't like it, you can just quit the other jobs and go back to what you were doing before. If you've thought about working multiple jobs, but you're not sure how to start or are afraid of getting caught, get the fundamental job stacking course today and learn all of the secrets on how to sustainably work multiple full-time jobs from the foremost expert on the matter, Rolf Halza, author of Job Stacking. Rolf has worked multiple full-time jobs since 2018, including hybrid jobs, and has condensed all of his experiences and wisdom into a single four-module online course so you can start proficiently job stacking without having to make mistakes, figuring things out on your own, or reinventing the wheel in the process. The course covers everything related to working multiple jobs from issues like legality of job stacking, how to handle your productivity, not work more than eight hours, and how to handle conflicted meetings. Go to jobstacking.com to get lifetime access to the course and all of its materials. You can join now, watch the videos, try out the exercises, and go through the process for 30 days. And if after that you're unsatisfied for any reason, just email Rolf for a full refund. Go to www.jobstacking.com and enter the promo code ORIN to get a special discount. All right, guys. So John Stewart comes back and obviously, like I said, you should know when to fold him, right? Stewart was was on the top of his game. He was seen as this luminary part of the end of history. Uh, you know, one of these guys who wielded a lot of influence, well-loved and well-respected, especially by progressives. Yeah, he went out on top and that's where he should have stayed. But as so often the case they can't just stay out of the ring, right? He, he could he could have done movies somewhere. He could have could have done other things. You know, he was he was a comedian, obviously. Go out on tour. He can he can do uh, big big budget movies. That that's another career path. You know, you don't need to go back to what you were doing before. I know you're famous for it, but you know, th there's no reason to return back to that. Well, you've already pumped it dry, and at this point, you've already handed the baton to somebody else. And Trevor Noah, even though it was a failure. And there's multiple people copycatting you, you know, Samantha B and, and, and John Oliver. So there's really no reason to kind of reconstitute your show in another place. But that's exactly what he did. See, the, the landscape had changed after Stewart had left. When one of the reasons Stewart became as big as he was, was that there was still very few options when it came to television. I mean, you had cable TV. So, you know, we're not talking about the four channel era of the 1950s or 60s but you you still had most people focused on cable television there weren't as many channels there certainly wasn't weren't streaming services the internet wasn't as big a thing and so there was this general cultural moment around the daily show 
it was the way that everybody processed news and and Stuart was so well respected because he kind of served that function almost as America's news anchor for for better or for worse well most definitely for worse he became the Walter Cronkite of of kind of his time that 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 next evolution of of what would be a common touch cultural touchstone and when he came back that wasn't the case. Like I said, the, the market was flooded with all these, these lookalike programs or literally the same program under Trevor Noah. And so he's entering a flooded market that was defined by something he had already done. And on top of that, he's joining a streaming service, Apple TV, trying to put together the streaming service. And they want to do something, I guess, you know, you know HBO had John Oliver and then and, and it had uh, um, Bill Maher. And so they kind of wanted to do something similar with Jon Stewart for their show. Makes sense, right? He's the guy, he's the originator of this kind of entertainment. So reasonable, I guess, at least on Apple's part to think this guy should be part of this. The problem is the landscape had changed radically uh, under, you know, under Stewart's feet. Not only did the digital decentralization mean that he could no longer rely on that kind of cultural force to drive interest to his program and kind of give him the weight that he needed to kind of push things forward. But he also had a huge problem in the fact that the political winds had changed. There was no longer this need to take things less seriously. Again, Stewart built his career on basically laughing at politics, not taking political challengers seriously not really addressing issues. He he made people look stupid. That was his job and, and made people laugh at serious issues and not really address them. That, that was his whole focus. But that's not what the left was doing anymore. See, Stewart's com comedy was very good at dismantling what was left of conservative culture. When you were tearing apart Christians and, and conservatives and patriotism and the military and all these things, when you were destroying all these foundational parts of our culture, Stuart was the right weapon for that because his ability to mock and be unserious and, and grant the whole thing an air of, 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 of absurdity was very powerful. However, that was no longer the mode that the left was in. The culture had fundamentally changed. And now progressives were looking towards wokeness. They were looking to create a positive vision I mean, not not that we would see it that way, but but in their minds, a, they were trying to build up a a new way to live, a new moral vision to follow. They were they were done tearing down. I mean, they're still tearing down. They're still deconstructing. But the power of deconstruction had had waned, and they were looking for a way to assemble a new vision, a new woke vision that could replace kind of religion and family and 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 truth and beauty with something else that could still kind of bind the culture together. And so Stuart was perfect for the moment in which deconstruction was the key, where he was still had a chance to throw, you know, things at, at, the, at people who looked more powerful than him to make, he could make people who were supposed to be powerful look absurd. That, that was a, a powerful thing he was able to do. Obviously like this guy basically just made a fortune making fun of George W. Bush. It, it's not that hard, but, he was the right man for the job at the time. Again, the world had changed, and that's no longer the world that John Stewart is asked to perform in. In the new world, John Stewart has to glom on to wokeness. He has to affirm the new dictates of 
kind of the the world we're in now. And that's where he really stumbled. That got very painful. He was still trying to do some of the comedy he did, tearing down you know the, these people that he used to, but it just no longer had the weight. It no longer had the power that it once had because those people no longer had the power they once had. It was it was too clear that he was just punching down constantly. That he was just attacking people who were socioeconomically just you know social status. Everything was just below his own. It was just very clear that the establishment was on Stewart's side at this point. And so the idea that he could harass the powerful, he could bring them low, he could make them look absurd, that just wasn't there anymore. And again, it's not what the left wanted anymore. They didn't want politics to be absurd anymore. They wanted them to be serious. They wanted politics to be holy. That's a big part of what wokeness is. The funny thing about, of course, wokeness is the more holy you try to make it, the more absurd things get. But, you know, obviously their worldview is warped, so they don't see that. But that was the new world in which Stewart existed is a world in which you needed to create a positive moral vision and you needed these things to become resacralized in in a political context. So everything was very serious all of a sudden. It was very very important to treat issues of race and sexual identity and everything else as just the most important things a person could imagine and insulting them, making light of them, bringing any kind of levity to the situation. That was a huge issue. And you can you could see it in Stewart's performance. He looked tired and haggard most of the time. You know, he 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 had lost kind of that uh, jovial nature that he had constantly brought even to the most serious issues, issues of war and everything else that he had once joked about. This guy was joking about, you know, dead children in foreign nations. And he, and he had no problem keeping a joviality about him during that. But all of a sudden, he couldn't make jokes about, you know, some someone's attempt to become a woman. Uh, yeah, th- these things that are obviously absurd, he could no longer bring any kind of comedic context to. And you could tell that this really was wearing on Jon Stewart. He wasn't made for this time. Guys like Bill Maher can still get away with a little bit of that shtick because uh, Bill Maher has couched himself as kind of the anti-woke liberal, right? So he's, it's delusional, um, you know, conservatives shouldn't fall for it. People should stop under, should stop pretending that Bill Maher is on their side. But the reason Bill Maher still kind of works is Bill Maher can still rail against the most absurd leftist stuff because he's taken this position of, okay, I'm a liberal, but there's a line at which we cross into this, this positive vision thing that I'm not on board with. And so he still gets to attack the positive vision. It's just instead of attacking the positive vision of religion, traditional morality, the church, uh, the family, um, you know, American patriotism, all that stuff. Instead, he gets to attack the positive vision of wokeness. And that's working for him to some degree. He still has some jokes that are funny, n- not as much as people tell, you know, he's just not as funny as people pretend he is, but at least he still has got some things that land. And at least he still says some things that are correct. And so he, so he still has some cultural relevance because he gets to have leftists on. He's he gets to play kind of their game and 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 speak their language to some extent. But then he also still gets to kind of throw slings and arrows at people who are clearly more powerful. And th- th- so that bit still works for him. John Stewart doesn't have that option. He's completely bought in to left wing propaganda. He's not willing to take a stance against political correctness. I mean, he said words here and there, but it's very clear by the way that he's he's been conducting himself that he's bought in to all these new narratives and it's become a disaster for him because 
the, the show was already suffering from again like his just inability to to be jovial and 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 it's already a tired formula and there's already a million competitors there's already all those problems with kind of the way that john stewart was attempting to do the new show but on top of that john stewart stewart started doing like struggle sessions uh, he stopped being the guy who was joking and he became the joke people would come on and berate john stewart for his you know all kinds of privileges that he had and he took on the guilt of 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 everyone you know he did shows about about the problem of whiteness he did these anti-white tirades and 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 it cast himself as one of these people and that he was punishing himself and so all of a sudden this you know this show that was all about at one point this formula that was all about breaking down standards breaking down morality breaking down positive visions and mocking the seriousness of politics and mocking the of you know the idea that you would take your culture or what's happening to your country seriously that got turned around and now there's a show that was almost entirely about Jon Stewart just berating you know himself and 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 uh, people he associated himself with while also attacking uh, you know it, it just just everything that he once did, everything he once stood for. It's like Jimmy Kimmel, who once used to be on The Man Show and now does all these politically correct jokes. It had that same feel where there's it really struggle session is the name for it. There's just this constant need to to say to the audience, I'm guilty. I'm the one at fault, you know, and I, I need to be a better ally and I need to listen. It's like the, a constant HR mea culpa that he was just doing over and over and over again. And it just lost anything of value. It, it became very clear that, you know, he was just not able to do anything. And he tried to get back into, you know, the rhythm of going on and, and bringing in conservatives and, and cutting up the interview and making them look stupid. But like I said, at this point, everyone knew the game. Everyone of any kind of real standing knew not to get involved. And so increasingly, Stewart went from, you know, getting major conservative authors who wanted to have their book and major conservative politicians who thought they would own, own points with or earn points with the youth. And he started getting just you know, random state senators from, you know, flyover states in the middle of the country. It was just absurd. And so Stewart really ran into this problem where there was just no mojo. There's no formula left. He, he had exhausted all of the weapons that he had in his arsenal and, and they had just, they had just lost all of their cultural cachet. He no longer had that centralized ability to drive the narrative like he did was on, when he was on Comedy Central, and that was really the only show doing what he was doing. It was already tired and repeated by so many other people. He could no longer make the jokes that he used to make. He had become overly serious. He had lost that kind of playful banter thing that he relied on so much when he had the, the show originally. And so the Apple TV show was just, was just floundering in many ways. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, Apple TV is, doesn't have that much like original programming, certainly not in the realm of comedy news. And so they were still willing to continue the show. It was moving into its third season. However, Stewart started running into some problems. Most notably, the one was that he and Apple were no longer aligned on certain things. Stewart wanted to do shows criticizing China. He wanted to talk about some subjects like AI. And Apple was just not comfortable with his public disagreement with a lot of things that they were moving the direction of. Obviously, Apple is very reliant on uh, kind of uh, this relationship with China and the Chinese government. China is famously not, you know, doesn't really 
uh, you know, uh, broker deals with people who, who constantly berate them, who constantly bring insults towards them or criticize them. And so Apple looked at what Stuart was planning to do and they said, we, we need you to stop doing this. And that caused kind of Stuart to walk away. And, you know, to some degree, good for him. You know, there, there's a level of principle there. Uh, but I think he also saw the writing on the wall. He also kind of knew that the show was floundering, that he had lost a step, that that his time had kind of passed him by. He was no longer relevant in, in the world of today. I, I literally cannot think of a single time someone shared a clip of the of the problem with John Stewart as if it was some kind of uh, good thing, you know, as, as if it was funny and it was something, you know, it was only it was only because it was cringe or he had done another ridiculous segment or it was stupid or it was another struggle session. It was the only only reason that it was ever around. And so it was very clear his cultural relevance was gone. And it was, it was a good time, good reason to fold things up. And it's really appropriate that Stewart be canceled by somebody by like Apple. Because that just represents so much about what's happening in the progressive movement right now. Guys like Stuart, while Stuart obviously was very rich and very famous and, and gained a lot of power by working with huge media companies, he existed at a time where the left could still pretend that they were the underdogs. And he could still do things like rail against big corporations, even though he was on a big corporation. You know, like he could still do that kind of stuff and it would still be plausible to some extent that then the narrative still felt culturally uh, relevant. And now it's so clear that progressives own corporate America woke, uh, you know, woke, uh, woke capital is just a real thing. It's obvious to everybody that these are the people who are kind of controlling everything. Your, your bank will confirm your pronouns. You know, that Apple is out there making donations to BLM as it riots across the country. These are the kind of people who will do everything they can to double down on the woke narrative, which is probably why Stuart felt pressured to you know, kind of do these struggle session episodes in the first place. However, at the same time, they're willing to bow to totalitarianism you know, and censorship from something like the Chinese government. And so it's very clear that you know, they're, they're only progressive in the sense that it gives them some level of cultural cachet and power i mean they are i think there are true believers in these corporations i think they are captured by the ideology but it's just very clear that the, the principle of we don't take these things seriously or you know we, we you know we, we have a commitment to truth or something like that all that goes out the window the minute that you know business with china might be disrupted and so they're totally willing to tell that one of their main talents whose job it is to mock power that he really needs to sit down and uh, you know shut up when it comes to China. Because at the end, of course, John Stewart's job isn't to mock power. John Stewart's job was to align with power. Even way back in The Daily Show is very clear. John Stewart was picking at the corpses of what had once been powerful in the United States by the time that he became popular. And that was so true of the 80s, 90s, early 2000s. It was very clear that Christianity and the traditional family and, and conservatism, the, you know, just just patriotism, all of these things were being hollowed out. But at least the, the kind of the skeletons of the skyscrapers still looked intimidating. Yeah, I mean, the, the buildings were crumbling and, and all of this stuff was was really ultimately not in power anymore. But at least you could still point to the skeletons and of these giants and say, oh, well, there's something that holds influence and people might actually believe you. But even in Stewart's original run, that just wasn't true. It was very clear 
that he was on the side of power. He was aligned with power, or at least a power that was ascending at the time. And he was just, you know, picking at things that were dead or dying. But now it's become so clear that that's the case. And there's just they're not even skeletons. The bones have been ground into dust at this point. And it's so clear that he's just there in service of corporations and the progressive agenda. And he can't even pretend anymore. And so it's a very fitting way for Jon Stewart's re-entry into this kind of comedy arena to go. It's a fitting end for it because he was just always destined to follow this arc. He's a guy who saw himself as a jester. He saw himself as a truth teller. He saw himself as a rebel. But it was always so hollow. And it was always so cynical. It was always so clear that he was using rhetorical devices and mockery in one sense, but then trying to be self-righteous in another. And now he's the very guy who the progressive movement is, is saying they don't want on board anymore. And, you know, predictably, he's just not relevant. And he, get, he gets discarded because you know, he's running into corporate barriers, corporations that you know, are, are happy to, to buy into his progressive narrative but are not going to push back against some place like China, which is essential to their operation. So, yeah, I, I think that's it guys. Like I just wanted to kind of explain this, this, this fall from grace of John Stewart, you know, how, why he became popular at the time, why he was so influential and why he ended up reentering into a marketplace that simply could not sustain his kind of comedy anymore. The, the time for his kind of irreverence has passed. And now these comedy shows so-called are just lectures. They're just more lectures that we get from people who play a laugh track every once in a while or, or, or do a, do a gag and then go right back to their moralizing. And, and you think that given Stewart's, you know, history of delivering those kind of speeches, maybe he'd slot into that, but it just doesn't work. And he just ends up again, going through these struggle sessions as he tries to prove his woke bona fides to a, a group of people who've already kind of passed him by. Uh, but we do have a number of Super Chats here, guys. So I'm going to go ahead and switch over to the Super Chats here real quick. Uh, let's see. Creeper Weirdo here. Thank you, sir. You know the thing I hate? Well, if you fl if you flip upside down, close one eye and staple your tongue to your leg, the leftist uh, crap that hates you and your way of life has some vague theme, uh, right-wing themes and ideas. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, man. There's a lot of people who just say, okay, well you know, th this thing is secretly based. If you just, yeah, this guy has been insulting religion. Yeah. He's been destroying the family. Yeah. He's been yeah, elevating all these terrible things for a long time. But you know, if you squint at it the right way and you go through all these gymnastics, there might be some baseness in there somewhere. Yeah. That gets really tiring. I, again, I really get tired of that with Bill Maher. Yes. Good for him. At least he's not John Stewart. Every once in a while, he does actually say something, uh, you know, to someone in power that might be considered uh, transgressive but in general he still hates the right he's not your friend these people are not your allies don't pretend they are tom thank you very much sir i think you're probably one that cigar it doesn't even look like they're going to put trans stuff away which would be easy yeah for those who don't know i have a long-standing uh bet with my friend academic agent uh who whose new youtube channel i've been on many times and he's been on here and our bet is that uh, that the regime it will not will whether or not they will put the woke away. Uh, academic agent AA he believes that the regime is capable of limiting itself. That ultimately it is run for power and profit and not ideologically. And so once it becomes clear that wokeness is uh, kind of no longer a useful ideology as it should already be because we see how terrible it is and 
how much it costs everybody, how it's just destroying civilization and it's destabilizing the, 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 the hold that the regime has on people, then they should just put it away and transition to some other narrative. They've had other narratives in the past. Why not? My argument is no, they can't do that because they are ideologically captured by wokeness. Wokeness is actually a functionally required by the regime to continue the expansion of their managerial power. They need to break down all of these moral and cultural and identity barriers so that they continue to expand their power. And wokeness is kind of a key part of that. It dissolves families. It dissolves civilizational uh, things that are necessary, but also keep woke, keep the power. So they're, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of ripping up the floorboards to keep the engine going. Uh, that's kind of the point they're at now. But that's they have to. There, there's no escape from it. And uh, that's become increasingly clear, especially here recently with the inability of the left to can, contain kind of the pro-Hamas uh, movements that have arisen on their side. Uh, if the left can't put that away, it's very unlikely that they'll put anything else away. I think that 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 they are in a runaway runaway train. You will see, of course, ebbs and flows. There will always be some effort to put the woke away uh, by the saner parts of the left, uh, but they will not be able to do it. And I think uh, the last couple of weeks has been an excellent uh, demonstration of their inability. Kruva Weirdo again here. Maybe it's because I'm 29, but is anyone fooled by Stewart anymore aside from coping centrist that uh, uh, centrist that is? Yeah, man. Again, I, I think that his his mystique is gone. He was the right, the right guy in the time when I was young, but I just think that at this point the, the formula is tired. Uh, and and even and it's not even that like people see through it, though. I mean, I think more conservatives see through it. But it's the leftist Joe. Just it's just not even sufficiently pious for them anymore. Like I said, that Stewart is a is is irreverent, and they want piety. They want fiery preachers. They want after school specials. That's the only thing that's acceptable as leftist programming anymore. They can't do comedy, and so they just do after school specials, parading as comedy. And Stewart just could never pull that off. And I and I think that's why him doing these struggle sessions is so painful because you know that this guy doesn't take this stuff seriously he can't take this stuff seriously he didn't he didn't make his bones taking this stuff seriously and so it, it just it's so awkward to watch him try to to do the thing that now leftists are doing it, it just doesn't work uh thuggo here thank you sir remember when the left canceled him for saying COVID came out of a wuhan lab he looked like he went through a torture camp yeah and that's another thing right he's he has every once in a while run a foul and he said something that was obvious so so credit to him there he did uh, he did uh, push back on the wet market narrative back when that was not allowed at all. Uh, but again, he kind of knows. He knows his time is is kind of run out on that stuff. He just he especially on the cultural end of it, he might push back on a few things, but especially when it comes to the, the woke cultural stuff then that you, you got to hate white people, you got to make amends for everything. Uh, you got to worship, uh, you know, the trans ideology. He's on board with all that stuff. And so I, you know, I just don't think that he's going to be able to recover from that. I think it's pretty clear that he's destroyed his reputation in, in as somebody who can tell truth, even if occasionally he does do so in ways like the one you're, you're mentioning there. Uh, George W. Hey, Duke. Thank you very much, sir. The Daily Show uh, became the model for all future discourse. Remember all those anti-SJW response videos? We live in the world Stuart made. That's, that's a really good point, man. Even people who oppose progressivism now have difficulty doing it in any way other than the way that Stuart advanced progressivism. 
And that's interesting in a couple ways. So yes, like on one hand, yes, people are are mimicking Stuart and that did set the nature of the discourse. You're 100% right about that. However, it's interesting because also the roles have, you know, God forgive me for saying this, been reversed. Uh, the right is now the one that is trying to resist the, the false piety of the left. And so in many ways, comedy is now the tool of the right. I wrote about this a little bit when I talked about uh, Doug Mackey and his, in, and his uh, wildly unjust political incarceration here recently. I mean, Doug Mackey is going to be in jail because he made fun of the regime. And that's the way that things work now. Memes are just way more effective at attacking the false piety of the left than arguments. We, we do all this like, I'm going to debunk things. I'm going to bring all these facts and logic. And look, I, I sit here and make arguments all the time. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, but mockery is much more powerful, which is why I also make memes on my Twitter account. And the, the reason is that the world is already so absurd and there is already no logic behind things. And we're already just walking out on air. And so because of that, it's very clear to people that everything's absurd. And so going out there and proving that things are absurd doesn't do anything. Oh, a man can't become a, become a woman. Well, of course they can't. They never could. Everyone knows that in their in their core being. But we're all just standing out, you know, again, levitating in, in thin air, uh, pretending that this isn't the case. Eventually, you're going to fall down, but you're not going to do that because people make logical arguments. You do it by making people look absurd. And that's why comedy is, is more effective now against the left. However, I do think, while I do think that, you know, mockery, mockery is essential and should continue, you know, continue to mock the left, guys. Make the memes. Uh, the memes will flow. While I think meme warfare is still essential, I think that there does need to be a reintroduction of the sacred into the argument. I think that for too long, conservatives have attempted to make functional logical arguments, which should, should still be made, but they would not include appeals to the sacred and appeals to the, the true and the good and the beautiful. And the inability to make those appeals had made their technocratic arguments uh, uninteresting. And, and and just ineffective. And while I think that it is essential that you continue the comedy, eventually that deconstruction will also not be enough in the same way that the left's deconstruction was not enough. And they had to start trying to replace that deconstruction narrative with some kind of positive project like, like wokeness. Wokeness is the attempt at a positive, cultural, religious reconstruction of the good and the true to, true and the beautiful. It's an inversion of these things. It's a perversion of them. It's a, it's a terrible, horrific, grotesque version of them, but that is what it is. That's it's their attempt to do that. And I think that you can deconstruct that through comedy and that's useful, but I think ultimately you have to bring something real. You have to bring something that people can actually believe in can actually build lives and faith and families and communities on. And you can't just do that on memes. You can build loose communities on memes, but you cannot build a true civilizational ethos on, on that kind of stuff. And so you do have to switch that eventually. Uh, let's see, George Hayduke, uh, remember hashtag cancel Colbert, Pepperidge Farms does. Honestly, I don't. I actually don't remember that. Uh, sorry, maybe that's a real thing. Maybe you're making a joke there. I'm not sure, uh, but, uh, but I, I am unfamiliar with that. My bad, sorry. Uh, let's see here. Tex-Mex. Uh, may the era of Tonight Show puppets come to an end. Yeah, we're between uh, between your for, or from your mouth to God's uh, ears, for sure. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, hopefully that we don't have to endure this anymore. 
Tiny Rick, I appreciate uh, your super chat, but we are trying to keep the uh, channel monetized. And so I am going to avoid reading that one out. But thank you for your support. And Creeper Weirdo, again here, meme magic, not enough. Yeah, uh, I, I know. I, I, I'm not trying to downplay the meme magic. The meme magic must continue. I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm just saying that uh, we, we will have to go one step beyond. Uh, the, the jokes are there. Keep making the jokes. I will, I will also continue to keep making the memes. However, uh, we do have to go ahead and build something new. I think that's essential, uh, and I think we should get started on it. I, th I think that's going to be our critical task going forward. All right, guys. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap everything up. Thank you so much for coming on. Lots of great super chats today. Uh, great interacting with you guys. And uh, make sure that you go ahead and check out the new Blaze website. Like I said, really cleaned up. I think you guys will enjoy it. Thanks for coming by, everybody. And as always, I will talk to you next time.